Welcome back to the Night Shift Football Podcast, episode 60.1. We're at now. Oh, it's grim. It's grim, it's grim, it's grim. We had a good old whinge last week about Arnie. We had a good old whinge about Adelaide getting absolutely dusted by the Central Coast. We had two crap results against West Sydney. And now we leave Hindmarsh on the back of a 1-0 loss to Melbourne victory. I've got Tommy on the other end of the line once again, joining me on the interwebs. Uh, we were together for this one at Hindmarsh. Initial visceral reaction to <laughs> this game. I hate it, Sam. I hate everything about this. Just It fills me with such rage. But, you know, at the same time, pretty much expected this to happen. <laughs> yeah, I expected this to happen, but it's the manner in which it happened that has pissed me off. It's got me all uh, dead sea salty. Yeah. yeah, it's contentious, isn't it? To um, I mean, I've, this is the first time I've looked at the statistics from this game and there was two shots on goal from both teams combined 90 minutes. Congratulations, good, guys. Not a good game of football. Not a good spectacle, really. Wasn't the classic that I built it to be at all. No. Uh, we were predicting ridiculous things like 12-9 and 18-14 and stuff like yeah. that. But uh, what do you know? It was one goal and it was it came off the head of Isaias after <laughs> yeah. it was smashed at him on the line. Um, one really good chance. I guess two good chances for Melbourne because they scored one that was disallowed for offside. Uh, but in the end, that was that was the difference. That was the diff. Um the Kiwi Messi was the difference. Marco Rojas again. He's scored a stupid amount of goals against uh, Adelaide now for Melbourne victory. I thought he did play pretty well too, Rojas. Yeah, they had two good players and Rojas was definitely the front, the forward player that looked dangerous and was linking passes and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but the main guy was bloody Jason Garrier. Like, I saw a good tweet about him during in the wake of this one and he's going to go down as you know a footballer who probably should have had more Socceroos caps in his time I think uh, so he's an undervalued uh, member of the of the A-League community and he was giant again a giant yeah every time we play Melbourne Victory he seems to be one of the one of the main the main players and he does a fairly good job of shutting down Craig or Craig looks hesitant yeah. to want to I think he knows he can't really take him on he can't beat him for pace to dribble mm-hmm dribble around him because he's too good one-on-one. Um, he also recovers from being out of position very well. Jason Guerrier covers a lot of ground. He kind of dealt with everything very well. We did It did. One thing that really triggered me about Adelaide on the weekend was just how one-dimensional it looked at times. When we started just going for those aerial diagonals and Guerrier was just mopping it up, coming back, winning the header, off they go. Um, just very frustrating to watch. Very frustrating indeed. Yeah, he really was. He was the man of the match, I think, head and shoulders. Um, like you said, it was a, a feature of his game, the amount of times he rose above Goodwin or Cavallo or whoever was on that side. You know, I thought maybe we underutilized Brooke uh, on the left-hand side, who, for me, had his best right. Adelaide United game. Yeah. Yeah, I thought we could have swapped him and Goodwin a little bit more ah, often. I see, yep, yep. Um, you know, maybe Brooke has the technical ability to beat Gary a one-on-one, maybe a little bit better than Goodwin, who, you know, we're relying on for a little bit more space or a little bit more angle on his crosses. This is where Bernardo going down in the build-up. Uh, was he another COVID positive guy or close yeah, contact? Yeah, he, or... he was a COVID 
Kesar, pretty sure. Yep. You know, just more changes to the side. And again, another guy that probably would have been a little bit more effective against Garia. Or, you know, why don't we bring on Iren Kunda earlier or something like that? He was just so dominant on our most potent part of the field. You know, this is the, the spaces where yeah. we open up clear-cut chances. And we really just didn't do anything to try and combat that at all. No, definitely. Um, we'll, we'll do the Aaron Kunda thing now because I know we talked about it during the game a lot, but when Toure came off, we'll get to the Toure injury as well, but when Toure came off, we replaced him with Joe Coletti to play as a 10 in behind Ibasuki oh, and then ended up taking him off later to put Aaron Kunda on. And I think we called it when Coletti came on that we would end up we would end up taking Coletti off at some point and we've ended up wasting two subs on the guy. Yeah, he was always getting substituted later in the game, um, irrespective of where we were in the game, you know, because maybe you bring an, another defensive-minded player on and push Izzy into the middle if we're winning. Alternatively, we saw what happened. Um, you know, we do the, the mighty triple change or whatever it was in fucking 84th minute and he comes off again. It's just, it was such a wasted opportunity being 1-0 down, and given victories, you know, reluctantness to actually go past halfway or to try and hold the ball or to do anything other than to sit in their shape and nullify our wingers in the, in, you know, just as we approach the final third. Viet didn't show the medal that I thought that he has shown in previous games and maybe a lack of players at his disposal. And, you know, maybe the, the three undefeated, uh, the three without a win. Um, has rattled him ever so slightly. Uh, even he he did the good one at left back thing again, and it just yeah doesn't work all the time. It doesn't work all the time. Yeah, it kind of it worked that once where he happened to get a cross in from deep that found Toure sliced off the bar off the post and in. And now we're just doing it all the time as a go to to try and chase the game. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, Ibasuki, I thought was. Had his moments. He had some really good hold-up play moments, but we just, you know, there's only so much this guy is going to be able to do. If we're lobbing balls in the air to him with when he's double teamed by like Brendan Hamill and Matthew Speranovic, two very experienced A-League defenders, one a former like plenty of Socceroos caps. Yeah, I mean, you can't discount his ability to bring a ball down in the air. That was something he did yeah. time and time again. It's a fucking joy to watch, man. See a massive six foot six guy pluck a ball out of the air on his chest. Yeah. Try and find an effective pass. Um, you know, a lot of the times it is going backwards. And that's where the Caletti idea attacking mid wasn't terrible. But, you know, you got to know that you're bringing Caletti on and he's not going to play a forward pass that's, you know, putting in Brooke or Goodwin in behind. Or... He's not going to play any pass that's any good. No, <laughs> no. But he does work hard, Sam. Nugget, as you call him. Is 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 our little nugget. There's nothing he, nuggety about him. Yeah. He's just short. Other than his physical appearance and, you know, his versatility, I think, because that's the great thing about the nugget is that it can be enjoyed by itself or as a side dish or in a burger or, and that that's, that's Joe Coletti. You can play him in the center of midfield. You can put him in attacking mid. I would like to see him or, or as a false nine or a false 10. He's done all of it. I think that nugget metaphor got away from you a bit there, but we'll yeah, roll with it. We'll roll with it. Um, what did you make of, uh, we saw the lineup, obviously displeased to see Timothy, but kind of understandable given the availability at the moment. Uh, and then 
paired with Isaias at the back when I thought it was going to be Juan Day who would play centre-back with George. But I guess, um, you know, over the balance of the season, I think Juan Day's probably been our best midfielder. So fair to go the way they did? Agreed. Yeah, I would definitely have chosen Izzy to be centre-back over Juan Day. Juan Day is much more important in that in that pivoting six or the defensive midfield role, whatever you want to call it. I thought Izzy was quite good as centre-back. Yep. Uh, his distribution is just great. And it, it worked in that sense because victory were sitting in so deep to have him as the free man advancing as the center back on the ball. is like a really, really potent option. Um, and it would have worked better if we had, you know, Halloran and Mork and, you know, Alisson yeah. Torre as well, potentially if we'd kept onto him, you know, but as it was, there wasn't many options for him going forward. Um, well, I don't know. What do you think of him defensively? Okay. Yeah, I think it's fine. Yeah, um, they didn't offer I've that never much, had did they? Really, any issue? Like, it's hard to say because we really did have a lot of the ball this game, and we kind of, I don't know, we were just kind of parked in there half a lot. Um, maybe more so in the first half, which I thought we still defended well. They just had that moment. Cavallo got exposed a couple of times, but no problems with Izzy back there. Timotheo played a decent game as well. Which is interesting. We'll, we'll give him the tick this. We'll, we'll give him a tick this week. Uh, I thought his, his passing was generally really good. Um, jury's out still. Jury's out. Jury's out. No, I'm just saying for this week. We'll give him a tick for this week specifically. Okay. Um, still a lot of work to do there for him. But yeah, it's a tough one because I don't think Adelaide played particularly. It wasn't a bad performance. I don't think we played bad. We just no. we weren't good, and I guess. You know, you could argue that Melbourne kind of let us, they kind of managed the game, Melbourne, by just sitting there. This is where, like, the root of my saltiness comes from. Um, if anyone read the piece I wrote yesterday, just I got the shits big time with <laughs> having all these players, you know, your Margiotto comes in from Italy, you've got Brimmer, Economides, Marco Rojas, Josh Belante, and then that back four, Jason Davidson and Gary as your fullbacks. And you play this defensive bus parking style of football that is absolute shit house to watch. And I don't care, Melbourne Victory fans, you can tell me that, yeah, it gets results. I don't give a shit about it getting results when you're, you know, if that was, uh, you know, a Central Coast or, uh, I don't know, who's a small club in this league. If that was a small A-League club Western doing United. this or something, Western United, <laughs> you know. Whatever. When you're a club the size of Melbourne Victory and you claim to be, you know, one of the biggest in the country, maybe even the biggest, and you've, you know, you've got all these absolute guns and ex-socceroos and stuff at your disposal and you come out and turn that shitty performance in, like, congrats. Yeah, you beat us. You're meant to beat us with that side. But the way they did it was just pathetic and I was hoping for a bit more of a spectacle and I blame them for not getting that. It is entirely their fault. It is entirely the you know, impending Socceroos manager's fault. It's, in what world do you need to come to this depleted Adelaide United team? You know, I didn't, I actually did some research going into this. That was in the last six weeks, we have had six different central defensive partnerships. And when you've got a back line that is unsettled is that, you know, Josh Cavallo coming in has not played that many minutes this season. Stephen Hall six, comes in. Yeah. You got, a, how old is he? 15, 16 year old goalkeeper. 
and they are legitimately going to have four shots all game, one on target, and win one nil. It's 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 a smack in the face of everything that the Melbourne boys chant. That you know you, you can't be number one if you're not going to try and be number one on the pitch, and this is not how you do it. It's it's detrimental to the league as a whole if Melbourne victory and Sydney FC start trying to play defensive, batshit boring football with the you know resources at their disposal. Yeah, because that my, that's my gripe is like you, we're kind of uh, we're in this tricky position in this league where we do rely on the big teams to produce a brand that will attract more people to the game and help grow the game. And we're not going to be able to do that if the biggest clubs aren't, you know, churning out good football. We'll get to, we can maybe talk about Melbourne City a bit, but they they scored six on the weekend, you know, and they generally, when you watch them, they play an exciting brand of football that's fun to watch and good on the eye. So, you know, if you were trying to get someone else into the A-League and, you know, support the competition, they might look at it and think, yeah, this is fun. This is good. You're not going to think that if you watch this Melbourne Victory team, which is ridiculous given the names they have. Yep. No, you're 100% correct. And this is, like you said, this is the the root of, of the saltiness it comes from um, this position of, you know, Adelaide United, we don't have the resources they have. We have been playing well, but I think on our part, we have been deeply critical of this team all season, nonetheless, because of the way that we play sometimes. Yep. Our over-reliance on late goals which is, yep. you know, come home to roost in the last couple of weeks because we're not Definitely. winning games, we're not scoring late goals. Definitely. But just the sheer amount of media and victory fans that were just happy with that and more than pleased to go there, watch that bullshit and still share the same videos of the fans going crazy in the, in the stands. And it's like, okay, awesome. You know, we've got, the, we've got the away limbs. We've got the Melbourne boys are still number one. But if the football is dog shit, no one's going to go. <laughs> Yeah. No, I do love all that as well. Like I love it when Melbourne Victory come here and they bring a bunch of fans because it's it's oh, sure. so much better in the stadium. Like Hell yeah. Um, the atmosphere was, the atmosphere was still good despite, you know, missing one grandstand. Um but they always make plenty of noise and we look forward to it. We love that rivalry, but I just yeah, I'm not upset we lost to them because, you know, I kind of went in with pretty low expectations. I'm upset in the manner in which Melbourne got the win is all really. And I guess that's on me, but I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. Say, I'm more upset now knowing how we lost rather than prior to the game thinking, oh, well, we're not, we're not going to get much out of this yeah. because Economides is back and Rojas is finding some form and, you know, they've got Falami and D'Agostino and Brimmer and all these guys that we've talked about. Yeah. It's just, yeah. A shit way to go down, which I guess like when you're, when you consider how the second half panned out, I know they had another one chalked off for an offside, but for the yeah, most part, we had off. for the most part we had them hemmed in the box, and and we missed know, just, some we we missed some really glaring half chances potentially. You yeah, know, maybe uh, half chances. You know, like Ibasuki. I know the, the Ibasuki one's one of those ones where it looks worse because of how close he is, but in reality, if it's on target, the keeper probably smothers. I don't know. Oh yeah, potentially. Hey, yeah. it was well crowded out defensively as it was well. Crowded but, out, and so yeah. You know, you know, Lockie Brook hit the post, and I think there was a couple of. Oh, we didn't even get to Dore in the end. I mean, we lo- we lost our most potent attacking threat. Yeah, we can do that now if you want. Um, I haven't had a chance to go back and rewatch it because 
I don't know, post-game, I, I don't know. With Adelaide, I do it with like European football and stuff, but with Adelaide games, I generally don't go back and <laughs> check a lot of the refereeing decisions. I mainly check for goals and passages of play and stuff. But have you had a chance to go back and look at it? And what do you think? Uh, I have seen this one and Carl was not happy whatsoever. And attests in the post-match or in the next day press conference that he received an apology from the referee's boss about this. Yeah. It's, it's, the, it's the old-fashioned chicken wing. You know, how that type of tackle that was banned in the AFL and the NRL. Yeah. Where you, you're kind of grabbing a guy's arm and jamming it back while he's running forward in such a way that it, it dislocates the shoulder or it breaks the, you know, yeah. breaks one of the bones in there completely. It's just, it's just a god awful challenge. And at the same time, you've got um, another victory guy running in full steam with his elbows lined up straight at his head. So he's just, he's kind of ducking and trying to move forward out of the way. I can't, I just can't believe right in front of Simon Cream again, possibly the worst. Matthew Cream? Uh, Matthew Cream, sorry, Simon Cream. We can try and figure out who that is later. <laughs> Matthew Cream. Probably the worst South Australian-based referee for, you know, biased decision-making. He needs to be more in favour of Adelaide United, not less. This guy's <laughs> yeah. plagued us for years. I know. Just I'm move already, bro. haunted by the grand final and the Cristiano red card. The Cristiano incident. Ah, just move, bro. You're not welcome here anymore. Because <laughs> if you can't see that this guy's shoulder has been dislocated through an yep. intentional foul, I just, why are you in the game? And what You're standing is right there, too. Like he's standing he's right, right in front of it, isn't he? Of like, yeah. yeah, he's right on top of it. Yeah. He, um, if you're listening, Simon. <laughs> yeah, you Simon too, you Cream. don't. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever you are, Simon Cream, you can go tell Matthew Cream to leave the state. That'd be great. Oh, um, Simon Cream was a politician. <laughs> he excellent. In the Labor Party under Hawke and Keating. I'm so glad we cleared that up. I, I don't know if you want to cover anything else in this Adelaide game. We want to quickly go and we'll talk about some other stuff. Nah, let's just denigrate more Australian politicians by accident. Sure. Um, did you catch any of the Sydney derby? I did not. Was it on at the same time as the Adelaide Melbourne game? I think that's probably why. I believe so. But we just uh, just wanted to know in the when we were preparing for the pod tonight, and you mentioned that you wanted to talk about Macarthur and Perth because you watched <laughs> it, and just the pod notes just had Adelaide Melbourne, and then. MacArthur, Perth. No mention of the Sydney Derby. No mention of Melbourne City putting <laughs> six past Wellington. Um, is that uh, you? Maybe mentioned it to me earlier, but you know, is that a maybe a reflection on what the Sydney Derby is these days? I think it is 100. percent And there was lots of calls leading up during the week of people saying, oh, "I didn't even realize Derby was on," and neither did I until like Thursday, basically. And I thought, why the hell have they scheduled the two? you know, biggest yeah. fixtures that you could schedule on the same night at the same time. It just, how it's is maybe, this growing um, the league? I know that the, the fixturing this season has been real interesting to put it lightly, mm. you know, the Not five, interesting. 5 PM on a weekday kickoffs and stuff like that. Um, just stuff like this, like Saturday night, a great time slot for these games, but why both next to each other, you know, at the same time. It just doesn't make sense. Um, I think they've kind of tried to dabble in the um, the geo region, like you know, the kind of regional advertisement aspect of it. And if you get Adelaide and Victoria 
South Australia and Victoria watching the same games. And if you get Queensland and New South Wales watching the same games, you can do it in a way that the fixtures are always going to reap benefit for viewership numbers. I, I think you're just diluting a fan base, to be honest. Hell yeah, you are. Because and I think tiny one. people that are into the A-League generally watch, you know, other A-League teams as well and would be interested yes. in watching a Sydney yes. derby. I guess that's hard to say because we don't live in Sydney, but I'm led to believe from what I've read on Twitter and stuff that I think in Sydney there is usually a lot more fanfare like leading up to the game, you know, in the in the papers and on TV, on the news and stuff like that. And apparently this time around there wasn't. This is all no. just by going off uh, Twitter and stuff because obviously we don't live in Sydney. Yeah, but at the same time, you know, we have access to national uh, news and national news isn't reporting on the Sydney Derby anymore, possibly because there's no trouble at it. And maybe it, it received such infamy because there was perceived issues within the game. And now it's at the point where only 10,000 people are turning up and you're getting, you're still getting a, an entertaining spectacle. At least there was, you know, three, yep. two red card, yep. good, some good goals. Um, but at, at the end of the day, uh, just the fan, yeah, like you said, the fanfare has dissipated, and it's such a shame because West Sydney have this nice new stadium. Sydney are going to have this nice new stadium soon, and you've got two of the teams yep. that should be the biggest in the country, and they're so underperforming I th- culturally. I think, I think I've mentioned this to you a few times about the the Western Sydney Stadium, that new one in Parramatta. Like, if we lived there, we'd be there with bells on every weekend. Oh, it looks mate, glorious. Cowbells, yeah. <laughs> MacArthur Cowbells. Um, just quickly, we should just mention the Melbourne City <laughs> putting six past Wellington, five goals second half. Uh, they're looking pretty good. It's going to be an interesting uh, battle to the line between them and West United, isn't it? Yeah, this is good. There's actually a, a, a title race on now, um, especially with City scoring six goals. Jesus Christ, man. And yeah. all were they all individual goal scorers as well? Lecky and Nabil uh, also no, scored. No, Tilio scored two, I believe. Oh, there you I'll go. just get it up just, here. Lecky, Nabu, so good. Tilio with a double and a sermon own goal. Oh, just attacking-wise, they're so stacked, man. Berenguer as well through the midfield. Connor Metcalf. Joy to watch. Yeah, this is such a brilliant team. And they're probably underutilized by their coach, I think. I think we've gone through this Australian coach fanaticism. And you know, every team's got an Australian coach now, or almost yep. every team. And you, you're just like, ah, oh, it's, it's diluting the kind of football and style that we're playing. And it's not in a good way, I think. I think we're becoming insular and sheltered. And we should be looking again to foreign coaches to come in and bring new ideas and new coaching teams and stuff like that. That's probably a good way to liven the league back up. But, you know, in this case, it's, 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 it's good for Adelaide as well because it was Wellington, right? So that keeps, yeah. <laughs> that keeps them off our back for a little bit. They could be the first team to qualify for the finals with like a negative 30 goal difference. It's going to be brilliant. Yeah. Interesting. Um, just on the, on the title battle with Melbourne city, West United held to a two-all draw with Central Coast. Jason Cummings with a double, had a chance at the hat-trick and missed a stoppage time penalty that would have won them the game and it would have left the gap at six points. As it is, the gap is five points in favour of Melbourne City, but West United with two games in hand, you know, which would give them a one-point advantage if they win them both. Um, quick maths quick maths there. Um, yeah, well, just, it's, it's, it's interesting to see a, uh, a title race. It's good. Uh, it's we got fun. maybe... You know yeah, what go was on. also good, quickly, um, was to see Cum Dog 
trending in Australia after he had scored twice because there's such a, f- Excellent. a fever now for him to go and get a Socceroos call up. But like the, the brilliant thing was all of non-A-League fans wondering why Cumdog was trending. And, <laughs> you know, Cumdog is already tr- proving to be a marketing uh, ploy, you know, straight out of ScoMo's bag, basically. <laughs> We've got maybe a minute or two left. If you want to have a little, uh, you want to talk about MacArthur in Perth, just because you watched it and you, you fucking hate Perth, don't you? Look, I didn't even really watch that much of it. Perth are in all sorts, Sam, and there is nothing that brings me they a are. greater joy. They've, they've had a tough year, though, haven't they? Any tougher than Wellington? No, but they've had a tough year. No, I, I think their experience is discounted by how well Wellington performed. And <laughs> I'm, I refuse to cut them any breaks, give them any favours. You know, they've lived in relative... Well, not them, but their their state has lived in relative normality for two years. Mm-hmm. They've been in relative peace, mm-hmm. comfort, loving care, and they're getting belted every week. It's great. Under under Ruben Zadkovic, the original butcher, he, he he must have just thought, how the fuck am I two goals up against McCarthy here? We're away from home. He, yeah, he was an absolute butcher, wasn't he? He holds the record for the fastest red card in the A-League, which is brilliant. Natural. Yeah. 14 seconds after he came on. Incredible scenes. Um, if, you, if you haven't seen, there was a debutante free kick for Perth. I can't remember his name now. Lot, shades of the Irin Kunda free kick. Just beautiful technique, great ability, you know, great poise to score a goal like this. Um, but then even with 10 men, MacArthur have somehow managed to pull this one back. Ulysses De Villa showing all his class. Yep. Uh, laying an assist on for Altore, scoring as well in this game, I think. Um, the main, I think the main thing to pull out of this is just how good Altore looks at the moment for MacArthur and how much of a weapon he could have been for Adelaide United if we had held on to him. Yeah, hindsight's a wonderful thing. I stick by the call we made when we let him go. You know, we were kind of trusting in the process. Uh, I don't, you know, you can never really tell how these things are going to pan out. They're just ridiculous. I always go back to the Serge Nabry argument. And oh, why, yeah. did, why did Arsenal one. let him go? And it's like, well, Arsenal let him go because he was shit for them. Same as like, like Mo Salah. Why did Chelsea let him go? Because it wasn't working. Mm. It was no good. You just don't know how things are going to work out. And I wish Al Hassan Toure all the best. Oh, yeah, of course. And I hope no, he so can I... become a weapon. I would just, I think we should try and lure him back to Adelaide and we'll just write into his contract some kind of like no cowbell clause. And so that he never has to hear that incessant noise ever again, man. I just, how can you put up with that as a footballer? I don't know. I feel for the poor guy. You can't. Come home, Tor. Come home. Listen to the night shift football. Get around that instead of the cowbells. We might wrap it there. Uh, 60.1. That'll do. Another you good could like you could liken this pod to just a cowbell being rung for half an hour. <laughs> you could just our dull, whinging voices telling everyone why we're salty that football teams win games against us. <laughs> yeah, why can't they be better? Just beat us better. Beat us better. Beat us better, Melbourne. We'll leave it at that. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Au revoir.